Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that's often asked if we have seen it. Now, we would like to check it out, but we're not entirely sure what it is. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. Uh, maybe <laughs> I'll put it on the list. <laughs> What's going on, man? How are you? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. How about you? Well, we're living in a world of uh, COVID restriction rollback nonsense, so uh, we're never going to get to go see movies again, I'm assuming, and um, the world is completely upside down. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm curious, uh, curious if trick-or-treating is going to happen and all that, too, this well, year. <laughs> the, the, the CDC guidelines for trick-or-treating are understandable, but they seem funny. I'm surprised people haven't canceled trick-or-treating, and um, yeah, it's just... It's just weird. And I think to myself, man, I really want to go see a movie. Um, And it made me realize that. So I was kind of looking at I keep hearing all this stuff about things going straight to streaming. And in a world where we were talking months ago, like almost a year ago, we were talking about how streaming the streaming bubble, because we were talking about all the streaming wars when Disney was coming and everyone was freaking out because Disney was pulling their content from Netflix and, you know, that kind of stuff. And we were thinking we were talking about the whole uh, um, the idea that eventually the streaming bubble has to burst. COVID literally is the is what's going to keep the streaming bubble from bursting because all these streaming services are going to suddenly look at this and go, well, we'll take that. Throw it over here. We'll take it. We'll take it. And now you're actually not looking necessarily at movie theaters. You're looking at streaming services for your content um, outside of your cable. And it's like, well, who's got what? So I can watch what the, you know, I can watch the thing I want. And it's just it's kind of mind blowing. I thought about that today. I'm like, this is crazy. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a really good point. I could definitely see that happen. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know. It's, it's kind of cool knowing that it's going to be easier to see some of these movies we're waiting for. But, man, I, I do wish or I do miss the uh, summer blockbuster days, just the whole experience of going to the theater and seeing all the upcoming anticipated movies with the fellow fans like it's. I don't know. I'm I'm itching for it really bad for, for sure. I know. Yeah. Um so how about this? Let's put all that aside and yeah. talk about some stuff we like and some stuff we watched and read and yeah, let's go from there. For sure. Um so in the spirit of uh the uh our list tonight, I've watched a couple spook spooky things. Um so I wanted to mention I've been watching uh, American Horror Story from the first season, and uh, the plan is to go through all the seasons. Um, at this point, I've basically finished season one, which was pretty good. Um, I don't know that I love it, but I don't know that I hate it. I enjoyed it overall. Um, I had a weird experience with this show where I felt halfway through the first season, there's a an episode that takes place around Halloween. And for me, that was like the peak of the season where it the Halloween episode was very uh, suspenseful and epic and chaotic. And uh, ever since then, like, and I even said this while watching this, like I said this to my wife, I was like, I don't really understand how the show or the show can keep going because I feel like they answered so many questions in that Halloween episode. And that's kind of how I felt it was. The first season, I kind of felt like the rest of the season, like the last like six episodes or so just kind of felt like they were slowly tying loose ends together. So it's one of those things where I enjoyed it overall, but the second half of the season to me kind of felt like return of the King where it just kind of, 
kept going and going <laughs> sort of thing, like too many ending points. Um, with that said, I'm going to keep watching the se- the series. <laughs> Hopefully I'll like, you know, seasons that come from there. But in uh, my typical fashion, I, of course, got distracted by another series after finishing that first season. That is a pretty similar series in a lot of ways, but one that I'm enjoying a lot more, and that is The Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, Drew, are you familiar with this show at all? Do you know I'm, anything about it? It's on I, Netflix. I know, I know of it, but I've not watched it. So Okay, so this is uh, part of Netflix. I don't know if they're calling it like The Haunting series or something, but it's essentially... So last year they had The Haunting of Hill House came out, and this is kind of the... It's not really a sequel, but I think it's within the same series. I think essentially this is going to be a anthology horror series where each season is going to take place around a different sort of haunting. Um, So, yeah, this is the new season and um, it's awesome so far. Like, I'm I'm really loving this. It's a very slow burn horror story and it's very (laughs) um, I've talked to a few people who are kind of annoyed with it because it's very light on the horror i would say so far like i'm about six episodes in and there's not a ton of jump scares it's kind of a lot of just this really intricate um story involving this ensemble cast who cast who all like live and work out of this uh mansion they're staying at but i'm just actually finding it really fascinating like i'm really enjoying it it's a very cool sort of atmospheric slow burn i will i would say and um like i said i'm like six episodes in and uh right where i left off the show really seemed to pick up so i think it's i think it's one of those just slow burns but if you have the patience to stick it out it actually gets really suspenseful and really cool but for me it's really just the atmosphere of the show you know it uh it takes place in the eighties, but it seems like it takes place before then, you know, it, uh, the whole show is set in this, uh, British manner that's been around for, you know, it feels like centuries and it kind of feels almost like old timey at parts, but it's very, uh, I think it's just that sort of like somewhat Gothic supernatural atmosphere that I'm just really, really enjoying with this one. So yeah, definitely check this one out if you get the chance. Um, how about you? Have you watched anything new? Anything fun? So I feel bad when I say I don't watch stuff on this show because my work schedule, I work the later shift basically. So when yeah. I get home, I have to split my time between trying to do stuff I want to do, put the kid to bed, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so my watching has really kind of taken a downturn lately as of late, which kind of sucks. But at the same time, like there's not a lot coming out. So I don't feel like yeah. I'm missing out a lot, but I feel like I'm behind a little bit because like we got Mandalorian coming real quick. And, um, you know, I just feel like there's things out there that like, oh, that's on Netflix now or, oh, that's on Amazon. Let me go check it out real quick. And um, the uh, so what I have done is um, I am still. Finally getting the Titans um, because oh, cool. I watched the first season. Um, I'm finally getting to season two because it's been so long. I did a full rewatch of the first season, um, started season two. Really great start off point. I'll have more to say as I go because I've only seen like the first uh, episode. But um, So the first I'll say because that's about as far as I watched in season two as well. But I loved that first episode. Uh spoiler alert like seeing trigon and stuff like that was just like so much fun you say Um, it trigon i always say trigon 
I see. I've heard both. Um, Trigon. I think that's how they pronounce it in the show too. Right. I just Trigon sounds too close to Trigun, so that's why I go with Trigon. But <laughs> I can't. I'm not going to blame you for saying either one. You know. Um. But yeah, no. That first episode I loved. I thought it was so. It was so much fun. Uh. The the effects weren't necessarily what I like the greatest, but I still thought he had a really badass character design and all that. So yeah, definitely really cool. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to watching, uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm looking forward to watching more, um, and diving into that season much more. Like yeah. really excited because season three is going to HBO max. Um, and things they've announced for HBO max, things that are coming, just, it's just really exciting. Yeah. Uh, so I will say, sorry to interrupt. No, uh, speaking of HBO Max, I finally figured out how to watch uh, HBO Max on my TV because uh, my my TV's like interface is based around Roku and uh, HBO Max still doesn't work on Roku for some reason. But we figured uh, I guess like uh, my wife has Chromecast on her phone so we can screen mirror screen mirror the TV from her phone and watch HBO Max now. So. I'm pretty pumped because I want to catch up on Titans. I want to catch up on Doom Patrol. There's like a ton of stuff I want to watch on there. Gotta so. watch. I, I'm gonna say you gotta watch Harley Quinn. Um, oh, absolutely. That is, that'll be a good. A it great is one such. Too. It is such a fun ride. Uh, don't let don't let your kid watch it because you don't want that some of those words to be his first words. <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, but no, that's yeah. Make sure you watch Harley Quinn. I can't wait for your review on that. Okay, uh, that sounds great. The uh, and then the entire library, and it's really nice because it's the entire library of HBO is on there. Aside from all the other content, it's the whole library. So you get you get like some of the old stuff like Mr. Show and you get the Spawn cartoon and like, oh, nice. Every, yeah, it's there's a lot of great stuff on there. Um, the other thing that I've been watching is I've been falling asleep to Critical Role. Um, I've been <laughs> putting it on, um, not in podcast form, the actual show, like, uh, cause they have all the episodes up on YouTube and, uh, or off the website. And I've been kind of just falling asleep to that every night lately. So, um, it's put me on this big D and D kick lately, um, this past week. <laughs> That's great. Um, Has yeah. there been any updates about, uh, I remember critical role was going to do like an animated series or something. I think they kickstarted it. Yeah, they kickstarted it. I don't know how far along they are because I haven't made yeah. any announcements. Uh, I know COVID kind of set things back. It's supposed to go to Amazon. Um, oh, nice. So Yeah, that's going to be awesome when it comes out. I remember seeing uh, like concept art for it, and it just looked like a, it was going to have a really cool style if to you it. Watch, if you watch the um, opening, if you watch the opening, if you watch the opening of any episode of Critical Role currently, like the up-to-date stuff, they have some animation done for their theme song. And if it's anything remotely close to that, it's going to be an amazing show. Um, nice. <laughs> I really like the animation they use for the theme song. So, yeah, I'll have to check that out and let you know uh, how close it is to what I saw before. So, yeah. Um, well, anyway, you want to talk about the news tonight? Yeah, let's go for it. I think I'm I'm probably pl- pretty oblivious to this, but uh, we'll we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> okay, cool. Because there's a, there's at least two. You've probably there's at least one you had to have seen because the internet exploded. <laughs> Understandable. Uh, other than that, um, so okay, let's. Um, hmm. News is kind of all over the place. Um, so first off, let me get a video game one out of the way because it's short and we probably don't have a lot to say about it. 
Um, you're aware that um, Bethesda Software, who makes uh, Doom, uh, the Elder Scrolls franchise, um, the Fallout franchise, they got acquired by Microsoft. Oh, uh, so they got they got purchased by Microsoft. So now Xbox owns them. Um, will those games become exclusives to Xbox? Not entirely sure. Uh, what they did say is that anything that was slated for PlayStation will remain slated for PlayStation. But going forward, there's a chance things could fall in line with, um, uh, come fall in line with just Xbox. Um, yeah. Is it Todd Howard? Is that? I believe. Uh, yeah, Todd Howard from Bethesda is the one who said that um, they have no intention of like cutting, uh, going straight exclusive to Xbox with the stuff. And so he's kind of confirmed that everything will be going to PlayStation that was slated already. But going yeah. forward, they don't be based on how the deal went down. They don't have to uh, put anything out on PlayStation if they don't want to. Um, and then Elder Scrolls Six is one of the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, uh, Phil Spencer from Xbox says it doesn't have to come to uh, PS5 at all. Um, he says, when I think about where people are going to be playing and the number of devices that we had, and we have an xCloud and PC and Game Pass and our other console base, I don't have to go and ship Bethesda games on any other platform other than the platforms that we support in order to kind of make a deal, make the deal for us work. Um, it's interesting to hear that because based on PC, the PCs, Elder Scrolls being used on PC and Game Pass and xCloud and Xbox and all that stuff going on. They don't they're they're looking at the numbers alone saying it doesn't matter if we put that on PlayStation or not, which I think is crazy just for the number aspect of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Microsoft purchased Bethesda games for seven point five billion dollars. Wow. Yeah. So um, almost almost two Star Wars is. (laughs) <laughs> almost two Star Wars. <laughs> All, he almost paid. Uh, he almost bought Lucasfilm twice on that one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I figured I'd get that one out of the way just because um, it, it was news, and I was like, "Ooh, that's an interesting statement there." Um, all right, moving along. Um, here's a. I have a my science story for the week. This oh, nice. one's funny and made me laugh. Um, I don't have to go into the minutia of what the article had anyway. Because the t- the headline alone is going to make you laugh. Because let me just read it. Scientists say there's a fifty fifty chance we are living in a sim- simulation. Okay, I've, I I love these sort of theories. Um, I've heard a couple different concepts about this, but keep going. Uh, well, so do I. There's not much more to say. The headline alone, it's a fifty fifty chance we live in a simulation. So we either don't or we do. <laughs> That's really funny. I that's what I found was that's what I thought was so funny about it. It's just like, yeah, of course, why not? <laughs> um, sure, we do. No, we don't. You know, um, I love the idea of the simulation. I think seed theory is really interesting. I like the idea. I I like the multiverse theory the best. That's that's currently my favorite. I'm becoming more and more of a subscriber of it because it just makes me think. Like, um, it it makes me think real heavily about how all that stuff works. Um, yeah. And the uh, but the 50 50 chance thing made me just laugh. So uh, just the way it was all worded out. So um, feel free to read the article. I just yeah, it just made me. (laughs) 
Well, um, I, I remember I remember a few years back hearing about how some scientist or mathematician or something was saying that with it was something about with the rate that technology um, develops, like how it how te- technology develops at such a, a rapid rate. Like when you look at that, the likelihood of that we are within a computer program or a simulation right now, he was saying we're more likely in a simulation than we aren't, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. <laughs> um, but I, I just love the concept because it's just, I mean, it, it is the matrix. Like it's the the whole matrix concept. And then when you go into stuff like Sword Art Online and there's like a ton of other animes with like similar theories. Like I just like the idea that like maybe we are in a video game world and maybe we can really do all these things and we don't even know about it. Um, Another aspect I always thought was interesting about that is uh, you know how you can only see so far. Like I think it's like 11 miles or something like that. Um, like you can only see so far in front of you provided something, you know, stuff isn't blocking the way people say that's because the simulation hasn't loaded that far yet. (laughs) And I always like that concept. Like it could be the curvature of the earth and, you know, atmospheric perspective, but no, it's the simulation hasn't loaded. I always love that concept. Did you see the movie, the 13th floor? No, I actually, for some reason, I either thought it looked dumb or heard it was dumb. But uh, is, is it uh, good? Is it? Well, that's that's how we live in a simulation kind of a world. Um, it came out came out uh, late nineties. Like, yeah. Um. Yeah, it came out late nineties, kind of around the time that uh, it was kind of you know how like every now and then the theaters will release two movies that are exactly the same. Um, yeah. at the same time, like Volcano and Dante's Peak released like literally the same weekend and they're both <laughs> Volcano movies. Um, yeah. Like uh, Stir of Echoes and Sixth Sense. Um, and then um, one movie performs better than the other. Yeah. Um, 13th Floor, I think, released like almost in par with Dark City. And they have very similar... Um, the, the end game, the ending is very different um, in how they like are portrayed because they're two completely different movies. But the idea... There's a lot of similarities in the story, um, and they release together. Thirteenth Floor is—it's a really cool movie, but at the end of the day, uh, spoiler alert—it's um, an issue of the simulation not loading completely. Um, oh, wild! But yeah, it's the, like when as soon as you said that, I immediately thought of Thirteenth Floor. So. <laughs> um, I uh, I really want to check this out though. Um, yeah, I've, I haven't even thought about. I remember seeing TV spots for this movie when it came out. Um, and I love that sort of late 90s, early 2000s, like action sci-fi horror aesthetic. So I think this movie would be right up my alley if I can find it somewhere. But uh, yeah, that'd be pretty fun to go revisit, I guess. Um, yeah, no, it's it's it was an interesting movie to watch. So, um, yeah, um, I definitely I definitely recommend checking it out, um, especially since you like that kind of a. Since you like those kind of stories. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just that like that age where I was probably too young to see it when it came out, but thought it looked cool and then never <laughs> saw it or something like that. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Keep going. OK, um, Tim Burton is bringing back the Adams family to television. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Tim Burton not only will executive produce the series, but it appears he might direct all the episodes as well. Um, this is really kind of cool. 
Um, I have a feeling with Tim Burton behind it, it may end up on a streaming. Um, and the way the streaming stuff is going, there's a good chance of that happening. Um, but his his weirdness to his art style and everything could be really, really good uh, for that series. And like I always liked the Adams Family. I was more of an Adams Family person over the years. Um, and I loved the Adams Family movies. I think they're phenomenal. The second one is actually... Um, I prefer the second one. I think the second one is so much better than the first. It's yeah. too bad they never made a third one. Uh, but Raul Julia, who played uh, Gomez, he passed away. That's why a third one never happened. Um, yeah, and he would he would have been a hard actor to replace for that role. Yeah, and that's um, he's the reason that another one of those movies didn't happen is because he passed away, and it was kind of like, ooh, we don't know what to do. And in today's media, they'd be like, oh, just recast the role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree. I do like the second one better than the first as well. Um, just thinking in general, I feel like it's a better paced movie that's just more fun to watch. But it's just so like that movie. I, both of them are really funny, but the second one especially has like some of the funniest moments. Um, I was going to you did comment on like Tim Burton's just style as like a director and creator and stuff. I was going to joke and jokingly say Tim Burton doing the fa- Adams family. I can't picture that at all, <laughs> but uh, no, this, this is really cool. And um, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit, I haven't been on board with all of Tim Burton's movies for a while, but it's obvious he does a really good job with his characters and uh, set, set design and just like all the visual a- elements. And it'll be kind of neat to see him uh, take the helms on a TV show, you know, to see how that turns out. So well, when you look at now, I haven't watched uh, what we do in the shadows, but when you look at the success of that show and just the Emmy acclaim that it got, um, there's a good chance that they kind of looked around and went, what else? Like, you know, when, when shows like that perform really well, Game of Thrones being a perfect example, people start going around going, what do we have that's like that? Yeah. Um, and that's where you get shows like Vikings and you get like Black Sails and you're just like, how do we make a Game of Thrones show? Um, Black Sails is phenomenal, by the way. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, but how do people, I feel like they're always like, how do we do this? That happened when Lost came out. It happened um, like Grey's Anatomy spawned the whole Chandra, uh, the Chandra <laughs> Rhymes universe. Uh, but you have networks that'll do this. And when you have a show like um, what we do in the shadows and someone's like, ooh, you know, this would be a perfect time to bring Adam's family back. And honestly, this might be a perfect time to bring Adam's family back. Um, and yeah, absolutely. under Tim Burton's direction, that'd be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, this story also like makes me, I don't know, I'm just looking forward to seeing all the Gen Z kids saying like, or who are just first discovering the Adams family and for that to be a thing like, oh, this is based on an old show. <laughs> I've never <laughs> heard of this before sort of thing. Yeah, like, right. That'll be pretty entertaining. Um, yeah, I know. Right. Um, all right. We have a ton of news, so I'm going to try and cruise through these a little quicker. Um, this one I thought was real interesting. Fast and the Furious saga ending soon. Um, Justin Lin is set to direct the final two films. So that would mean 10 and 11, uh, cause nine is done. They just haven't released it cause of COVID. So that means he'd be directing 10 and 11 and they say, and they're saying it's going to be the end of the franchise. Um, I was fully convinced and I still am that this is not the end of the franchise and it is only and as long as cars are cool, this franchise will always exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
that is that is my uh, true, honest opinion on this. Like, because cars are awesome and car chases are cool, and like that'll never get old in movies. It'll it literally will never get old. And as long as people like yeah. those things, that franchise will exist. So <laughs> if they say it's the end, it might be the end of this story, and it might be the end of these characters. But I doubt Fast and Furious is over. They might take a little bit of a break, but I doubt they're done. Yeah, and I feel like uh, like I haven't heard anything, but I feel like they're probably going to line up a couple more spin-off <laughs> films and stuff like that and then after a couple years, you know, they'll get the old Fast and the Furious team to reunite for some other epic movie or something like that, but uh yeah, yeah. really interesting development, but I'm kind of on your side. You're probably right. This isn't actually the end, so yeah. All right. So, are you ready for more Power Rangers? Hell yeah. Okay. Um, Hasbro is launching new Power Rangers film and TV projects. Okay. I'm assuming, is the film going to be a reboot, I'm assuming? Um, I apparently. um, Okay. Apparently it's going to, like, literally reboot the whole thing, and you'll see new toy lines and everything for it. So um, I don't know if it's, and I'm not opposed to Power Rangers. I just, the last film didn't do well, so I don't know if the world's ready for more Power Rangers yet. Uh, (laughs) So I... I just saw this and I was like, really? We're going to do, okay. <laughs> um, and I don't know if it's more like me going, I'm not a Power Rangers kid, so it's more of a um, no thanks, we already got one kind of thing. Um, I don't know, though. Yeah. Um, um, the last Power Rangers movie was awesome, by the way. I did like, not I see it. I saw I saw maybe 15 minutes of it in passing, and mm-hmm. uh, I liked what I saw. Mm-hmm. So it's It's a really good, so I think, part of the issue is like it's a really fun sort of like superhero team origin story like it's it's really good just entertainment value wise there's not a ton of action like it's a lot of origin and there's kind of a huge fight scene at the end but maybe it either didn't have like enough like just special effects and crazy action scenes to bring people in or it's just you know Power Rangers is different than maybe some of these other superhero films and stuff where it doesn't have that much um, appeal outside of the people who grew up with it, you know, so maybe it just wasn't a broad enough appeal, but I'm fine with them rebooting it. Like, I would have loved to see a sequel to that last movie, but honestly, like Power Rangers has existed through so many iterations and uh, I don't watch all the shows, but I'm always up for more. So I'll definitely be checking this movie out. The show, probably not, just because I usually don't, like, I'm not a hardcore watcher of all the Power Rangers shows, but it's definitely still cool to hear that, you know, this franchise is still going strong. So, there you go. Yeah. Well, um, let's talk about a bunch of DC news, because that's a franchise that's really going strong, and there was a cool. big story that hit. Um, okay. So, first off, let's start with the rumor. Um, rumor. And I'm going to say it again. This is a rumor uh, <laughs> because I don't hear that we uh, we were saying some stuff that's not true because we don't know anything. I just literally scour the Internet for stuff that catches my attention that I think is talk worthy for us to have tangents about. And then we talk about them. That's how I create. That's how I prep the show. Um, rumor. Eclipso will be the main villain of the Black Adam movie. OK, interesting. You, any thoughts on that? Um, I thought it was supposed to be Superman, but um, Eclipso is awesome. I always liked Eclipso as a character. I'm totally down for this. Um, I don't know if you have anything to say about it. Again, it's a rumor. Right. Um, No, I think um, 
I see Eclipso. Like I feel like I've encountered that character a couple times reading comics, but it's another one I just don't know a lot about. Um, I'm excited for this movie in general. I think it's going to be cool based on what we know about it, even though we don't know a lot. But uh, yeah, that's probably all I can really say about it. I don't know if you have much to say about Eclipso in general or anything well, like Eclipso that. Eclipso is just a really cool character in terms of the art design, in terms of how the character created is created and moves from person to person. Um, it could be a, they, there could be some really cool cinematic stuff that they'll have to do with the character and the physical look of the character. Um, but it's definitely a good formidable villain for Black Adam to deal with. Um, if we're making Black Adam the good guy in the movie, because that's you'd have in a, in a situation like that, you'd have to make Black Adam a movie. Yeah, uh, not a movie. I, you'd have to make Black Adam the hero, which would make him an anti-hero. So it could be it could be really, really cool when you put it into that perspective. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I kind of was um, the whole like rumor about Superman being the villain as like awesome as I feel like that would be. I also just kind of wondered how they would pull it off. Um to kind of put Superman in like the antagonist position in a movie. And then um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it would confuse audiences or if like, I would just be kind of curious how audiences would react to that if they were like, okay, so which person are we supposed to identify with as the hero and stuff like that? But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, um, here is the next DC story that um, really got my attention. Um, the Batman, we all know that's getting shot right now, um, is going to use Mandalorian virtual production techniques. Um, oh. Did you watch Disney Gallery? Um, I watched an episode or two. It's the same thing. I just need to jump back on that. <laughs> okay. all right. You need to check out Disney Gallery because in Disney Gallery, they talk about, um, they talk about, they, they call it the volume and it's basically how they're based. It's basically how they're shooting the entirety of Mandalorian on a soundstage. And it looks like it's not green screen at all. It looks like they're on location at all times and it runs on a game engine. And what they're, what they're able to do with that is mind blowing. Hmm. Um, it's, this is so star Wars has always pushed technology always Yeah. back to the original. They had to basically when you go back to the original trilogy, they had to build the tech to do the stuff that they did because it didn't exist. They had to make the computers to do the thing because those computers didn't exist. All of it was brand new. When you get to the prequels, you can you can say all you want that CGI existed because we had a movie called Jurassic Park, which basically showed people, hey, you can do this now. But they pushed the CGI to the limit at the time, and it became the precedent for every movie coming out now. If you look at those Marvel movies, you don't get Endgame if Phantom Menace didn't happen. The CGI work that went on in those prequels drove the industry to what we have right now. Um, and then when you look at where is Star Wars going to push the boundaries again and, and change technology, go watch The Mandalorian. It is mind-bending what they did, and it is literally going to change the way movies are made henceforth from here on out. There may be no longer... You're going to get... You're going to get filmmakers who are going to go, ooh, we're going to go shoot on location, but they don't have to go shoot on location ever again if you go see what The Mandalorian did. Um, that being said, to find out the Batman was going to use that, 
here's the next movie using that tech. And this is where, and I, and I, and I knew it as soon as I saw Disney gallery, I was like, this is where star Wars pushes technology again. Star Wars will always push technology. Here we go. So yeah, check out Disney gallery just so you can see what the volume is because it is, it's insane. And it, I, sometimes I can't wrap my head around it when I try and put it in perspective. (laughs) So nice. But yeah, the Batman's going to be using the virtual tech production techniques, which is awesome. That's that's really cool. I um, it's also just really good to hear that like now that Disney owns Star Wars, that they're able to uh, that they're still pushing the the te- the limit as far as special effects go. Because I don't know, just without uh, George Lucas at the helm, like you you didn't know if that was going to continue to happen. But that's awesome, and uh, I don't know what to add onto what you said because you just said it so well, and I haven't. I haven't watched all of gallery yet, but, um, just the, when you started talking about the story, I could, I was just totally like, well, I mean, star Wars has always, you know, pushed the limits of, uh, of special effects. And then you kind of broke it all down there. So really cool, really cool to hear. Really cool. They're affecting the movie industry. And, uh, it's exciting. It just makes me more excited to see Batman, honestly, even though we have to wait even longer than before. Right. Well, let's talk about, the Snyder Cut, shall we? Okay. Okay. There's a there's a giant piece of news that hit this week. Um, and have did you see it? Because it kind of broke the internet in terms of like the stuff I look at. I'm kind of curious. Of, I feel like I might have missed it, but go go on. I might have seen it and just don't realize. Uh, Jared Leto is set to return to play the Joker in the Snyder oh, Cut. Oh, okay. I saw a couple things about this. Um, keep um, going. That's awesome. Like, yeah. this is really cool. Now, not only now, this makes me wonder. So if you watch Batman vs. Superman, you got to understand that Zack Snyder basically casted the entirety of the Zack Snyder verse. So you don't like Aquaman exists. Jason Momoa is Aquaman because Zack Snyder casted him. Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman because Zack Snyder casted her. Um, same with Ezra Miller. Same. You know what I mean? Like he casted all this stuff. So yeah. when you get these offshoot movies. You get these offshoot movies. Um, that exist in that universe because he create he basically set for he set the precedent. When you yeah. look at Suicide Squad, Ben Affleck is in Suicide Squad as Batman again, and there's one scene where he's up against the Joker and Harley Quinn. And you know we all want to see Jared Leto's Joker go up against Ben Affleck's Batman. Um, and at the time when the movie Joker came out, and then thinking that we're not going to get the Jared Leto Joker ever again. This makes me wonder if Zack Snyder casted Jared Leto for the role because he knew he was going to need him for Justice League. Right. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't. Okay. And it, it, it makes me wonder, too, if Zack Snyder casted him. But um, I guess I just imagine Zack Snyder and uh, David Ayer working uh, closely enough that they kind of were sharing sort of a single vision in a way as they both developed uh, their own movies. Um, I, I did, I did see some stuff about this. Like, and I'll agree Twitter. with that to a point, but if you look at wonder woman, Patty Jenkins stuck with the Zack Snyder visual language. Right. So um, there's elements where I agree and I don't because some part, there's a couple parts of suicide squad that look very Zack Snyder. Um, so I don't know. Um, 
I think this is awesome. I know that I'm in the minority, but I really liked Jared Leto's Joker, but that was because Jared Leto's Joker was a specific Joker for a specific purpose. And if you look at all the other iterations of the Joker, whether it's Heath Ledger, Jack Nicholson, Cesar Romero, uh, Mark Hamill, like it doesn't matter where they're from. They are, they are literally a perfect casting for perfect reasons for specific portrayals of the Joker. And that is someone that is some, and I'm saying that as someone who knows the comic history of the character. That's all. Um, and I've been following, you know, Batman and the Joker and all that stuff for so long that I just know the history. So when I look at um, when I look at Jared Leto's Joker and compare it to the comics, I looking at the screen, I know which version of the Joker it is. Same thing with Heath Ledger. Same thing with Jack Nicholson. They're all, you know, does that make sense? Like, so. I walked into that going, I really enjoyed that character. I know, like I said, I know it's the minority. It's not the popular opinion, but. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in agreement with you in a lot of ways. Um, I kind of have a hard time finding a Joker that I don't like for one reason or another. Um, but I'm also, yeah, like in the minority where I actually do really like Jared Leto's uh, portrayal of that character. Um, I've gotten in like a lot of arguments with friends about it and stuff, but, uh, no, I, I think this is awesome as well. Um, I was going to say before when I originally saw this story though, I kind of, I guess I didn't know that the internet was going to freak out about it. Cause I saw it and that, to me, I was like, Oh, that's awesome. The Joker is going to be in the Snyder cut. And then my next thought was, well, if Zack Snyder was going to put the Joker in there. Of course, he's going to use that version. And then I kind of just moved on. Like, I didn't find it surprising, I guess. I was just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, But I can see why a lot of people would lose their mind about it. Um, What's the general consensus? Are people excited or people like... It it seems like people are just excited that it's happening. Yeah. Um, The um, what's interesting is when you say what's the general consensus is, is that because of that, there's been a couple posts of a list of characters that will be in the Snyder cut. And this kind of has my mind blown a little bit when I look at this list. <laughs> right. So I don't, so take this for a hundred percent grain of salt. Take this as a rumor. I'm not a hundred percent sure this is accurate. I will say this. So I'm going to take away the characters we know, or we know for a fact are coming Batman, Superman, flash, Aquaman, cyborg, wonder woman, uh, um, Darkseid, Steppenwolf, and Desaad. They are all in the trailer. Right. Right. Okay. Now we're going to take Mira out of the equation. We're getting... It's the Justice League. Technically, we've already seen the Justice League. Zack Snyder casted Mira for for mm-hmm. to play... He casted Amber Heard to play Mira, and then she was later in Aquaman. But we know those scenes existed under Zack Snyder's direction. So we know she's in the movie. So I'm going to take her off the plate, too. We just talked about the Joker, so I'm going to take him off the table. So here we go. This leaves the characters that are left. <laughs> um, Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luthor, mm-hmm. and Joe Manganiello's Deathstroke. Now they are in the nice. bonus scene. They're in the bonus scene at the end of the current at, uh, under the Whedon cut. Yeah, and I don't know if that was Zack Snyder directed or if that scene exists but different under Zack Snyder because I heard there's a different ending that Zack Snyder did. And we know Deathstroke was part of that scene. So I'll take okay. that and say, hey, that's for sure happening. Um, Martian Manhunter is on the list. 
Nice. Yeah, um, I did. I heard about this too. Which, so uh, there's, they talked about how a specific character in Batman Superman is the Martian Manhunter, and you just didn't know it the whole time. Yeah. So the fact that that came out in dialogue, that's cool. That's cool, and I'm totally down for that. Um, if that's for real, the next one is um, the Adam. Oh, nice. Well, he's been he's been in all the DC movies. You didn't see him. <laughs> no, right. I know. But here's the thing. There is a screen grab that Zack Snyder or someone at Warner Brothers posted a long time ago in prep for the Snyder cut or in prep for the, hey, the Snyder cut needs to happen of um, the uh, of Ray Palmer um, in the movie. So, oh, yeah, yeah, it was a long time ago, but it was basically like, hey, look, it's Ray Palmer, the Adam from. No, Justice League, he wasn't in the Adam suit. He was just in, like, a lab coat. But, hey, if you say it's a rape, it'd be no different than saying, hey, there's uh, Carol Ferris in Batman Superman. Um, because yeah. we're like, oh, that's Carol Ferris. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. Here's the next two. These are the big ones that had my brain scratching a little bit. One of them, not entirely. Do you remember a long time ago? I don't know. It was, it was about maybe two, three months ago. Ryan Reynolds had a tweet about how he would love to be a part of the Zack Snyder cut but he believes he already is. Yep. Remember that? I It's yeah. on a previous episode. I talked about it a little while ago. Um, he is listed as the Green Lantern. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. The other big one that I was like, wow, that's interesting. So I kind of want to take what Ryan Reynolds tweeted and say, ooh, I wonder if he really is in the movie and take that and go, hey, that's a thing. I'm going to say this one more time. This is all rumor. I don't know how true this is. But when I saw this list, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I kind of started extrapolating. Well, this, 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 we know this. This one is, this one just has me wondering, and that's Kilowog. And it's the only one with no legitimate background, anything that anyone ever said. Um, (laughs) So I don't really know what to say about that one. But if we're going to put Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern in, why not have Kilowog? Because reasons. So... Yeah, it makes me wonder how much uh, these characters are actually going to come into play. Like, are they just going to be a, some sort of background cameo? But uh, the list is awesome. Um, honestly, if we get Martian Manhunter, like, in his suit and or using his powers, I just think there's so many, uh, there's some really awesome potentials for that visually. Um, if you read, like, the New 52 Justice League, like, the first arc, I remember there's one double-page spread. Because that it kind of that story kind of shows the formation of the New 52 version of the Justice League. And I remember there's a moment where they mention, like, trying to get the Martian on their team, like, referring to Martian Manhunter. And there's a double-page spread of the entire Justice League in a battle with Martian Manhunter. And he is shape-changing and using his powers and basically kicking everybody's ass. And it's just, like, such a cool visual. And uh, just imagining, like, a director like Zack Snyder bringing something like that to screen would just be amazing. So I hope Martian Manhunter's true. That's kind of where I'd be really excited. But every single character on the list is really exciting to hear. Um, It's also just going to be interesting to see how they handle the Ryan Reynolds thing, if it's true, you know, is this, is he Green Lantern, but he's a new version of the Green Lantern, or is this going to be, you know, true? Is this going to stay true to the movie he was in? So, yeah, I don't know. Don't forget, though, we live in a multiverse now, so the Green Lantern movie, that that's canon, it happened. That's true. That's a good point. We can no longer ignore that. Never Uh, forget the multiverse. 
Yep. Don't forget, we have a multiverse. We live in the, you know, we, we have that now. It's all connected. Um, but yeah, that kind of brings us to the end of the news. Um, nice. Um, yeah, that brings us to the end of the news. So you ready to talk about the list, man? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. Um, Ryan, it is list time. So uh, you know what to do. Um, so roll the thing. for the top five. All right, Peter. So this is essentially our Halloween episode, man. Um, yes. So happy Halloween. I hope it was good for you um, in terms of trick-or-treating. And <laughs> oh, it's a blast. Or lack thereof trick-or-treating. Um, <laughs> um, so we apologize that this episode is dropping the Monday after Halloween. There's not much we could do about that. When I was looking at the schedule, it just kind of landed the way we wanted it to land. Um, yeah. Just thought it'd be better to have it drop there as opposed to the Monday before because there was more of a scramble on our part. Uh, and I, I, I'm one who uh, I don't want to say I celebrate Halloween year round, but I do like to kind of stay in that sort of spooky horror mode for a good chunk of my year. So I know I don't mind hearing it the Monday after Halloween. I actually think it's cool to keep that uh, Halloween spirit alive. <laughs> so there you go. But uh, yeah, what were you saying? Um. No, I was just saying that we we just decided to, you know, push the episode to the Monday after Halloween because Halloween lands on a Saturday. So anyway, yeah. because it's Halloween, we have our Halloween movie list and or Halloween list for the this uh, year. And if you listened last week, we are talking horror movie or horror villains in a general sense. It could be from television, books, movies. It doesn't matter. Video games, if you want it to be um, um, anywhere in there. Mine are all movies. Okay, um, most of mine are. Yeah, mine are all movies. So it sounds like Peter's got some stuff that are not, which is kind of cool. I was really trying to think about it because I was like, you know, for example, I'm a big True Blood fan. And I was like, but who really was the villain? Because all the bad. So there were evil characters, but I ended up really liking them. Like they began, they kind of became heroes, too. There wasn't really yeah. like a villain that, you know, stood out to me. So um, I feel like each season had its own villain, but those were never your favorite characters from True Blood, you know? I know. So, um, I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So at any rate, um, I have one honorable mention. I don't know about you. Um I have two, actually. Um, How about this? Because because next week is your pick for the list, I'll go, you go first. That way it makes it like it was my pick. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, sure. In our back and forth. Yeah. Um, Okay. And then, uh, yeah, that that works. Um, Okay. I only have one honorable mention. So we'll, how about this? Just, I'll let, do you have two? Yeah, I have two. um, Okay. This list was very hard to narrow down, but I had a lot of fun uh, putting this list together. Uh, There's just a lot of horror villains that I really like. But uh, uh, the first one's one I've talked about before, but it is uh, the character Sam, uh, short for, I guess it's Samhain is how you pronounce it, but it's spelled like Samhain. It's uh, short for the the name for the pagan holiday that uh, Halloween is based off of. And this is the sort of horror host character from the movie trick or treat, um, which is an anthology horror film. And he is a little uh, trick or treater looking character who wears a burlap costume. And he is there to represent the spirit of Halloween. Um, And he's just kind of this kind of like, 
little kid slash jack-o'-lantern looking <laughs> demon who raises mischief and is just i just i love this character for like he just looks really cool um but i i kind of like that they just have that sort of mischievous like youthful halloween and your energy that they just kind of like purse per perfectly personified with this character <laughs> and uh he also has just a lot of really cool little tricks that he does like I said, he's like more of a horror host character, so he's not the main villain. He's not like the main character of the movie, but he comes in between stories more than anything. But he's got some cool like kills and weapons that he uses. He's like also, one of my favorite. Oh, keep going. He's also on the poster. So I was going to say, if anyone playing the home game decides to Google the movie real quick, he's the main image for the movie. Yep, yep. Um, one of some of my favorite things he does is like he has a. Uh, he has a sucker, um, like a lollipop, that at one point he bites so that the candy of the lollipop has sharp ener- edges, and he uses that to stab someone, which I was like, oh, that's pretty creative. He has an- There's another part where he bites a uh, candy bar that he has, and there's like a knife inside that he uses a similar move on. So there's he has a lot of like clever little tricks like that, but I just think he's a really fun uh, character for that movie. So uh, how about you? What's... Uh, your honorable mention. My honorable mention is Freddy. Oh, nice. Um, I uh, I kind of thought about this because I was looking at the classics too, or well, the classics nowadays. Because I don't feel like classics back in the day, you know, because a lot of the classics back in the day were like your Dracula and your you know Wolfman and your Frankenstein and stuff. And I don't feel they fair. They I don't feel they like stand up the way they used to <laughs> because. Dracula basically turned into vampire movies in a general sense, which kind of puts it in its own category. You know what I mean? Like, I was kind of like, that's a to say if we were to talk vampires, I feel like I'd have to include Dracula on that list and not this list. Because um, right. they don't those movies don't scare me the way they probably would have if I was from that generation. Um, but I was right. Yeah, at, absolutely. When I was looking at the classics and. Um, or in terms of like classics that we grew up with and Freddy Krueger is always, he's always a cool, like one of the things I like about him over, cause he kind of gets pitted up against Jason a lot. So it's always Freddy and Jason. are like the two, um, pillars on that aspect. Yeah. Freddy specifically, um, I've always liked his art design. Um, yeah. The physical look of him, the glove with the knives, like the hat, the burned face. I, I always just thought it was just a cool look. And then you throw in the fact that and then you throw in the story element that he can kill you in your sleep and all that. Like, it's such a cool idea um, and it makes it more terrifying because you don't want to go to sleep. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. That's that's my honorable mention. So that's awesome. Um, I really love Freddie. Um, I agree with you as far as the aesthetics goes. Um and kind of just the concepts of, you know, the whole, like, he kills you in your nightmares sort of thing is just so fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, uh, another thing, like, I just point out, because I think Freddie and Jason are kind of the two sides of the um, slasher coin in a lot of ways, where Jason is more of the silent, like, uh, killer that stalks you in the night. You know, Michael Myers fits in that category as well. And Freddie yeah. is the crazy more the crazy lunatic side of the coin where he has a crazy bombastic personality and he like is loud and brash and torments you in that way too and i don't know why but i always gravitate more towards the characters with the really 
crazy personalities like that. Um, which actually you'll probably notice as I go down my, my list, but, uh, yeah, Freddie's definitely, uh, one of my favorite horror villains as well. So, um, I, I can move on to my next honorable mention, um, which is this one skirts the line because in my mind, this is definitely a horror villain, but he's also definitely a superhero villain. And like, I could see arguments on both sides, And that's the reason why he's an honorable mention is because I think he fits more into the superhero camp. But when you look at him on paper and his attributes, total horror, horror villain. And that is the clown slash uh, violator from Spawn. And uh, this so this is one of the uh, so this is a comic book character, obviously. But uh, Spawn is one of those comics that, yes, it's a superhero comic, but it also like it has so many horror elements. You know, it uh, there's so many, you like, know, when you're, uh, when you're imagery. Spawn, you know, when you're sent to Earth by the devil himself, like <laughs> Ab- absolutely. And he, he's always fighting all sorts of gruesome monsters, zombies like there's so many different aspects to it. And I think the clown is just such a good uh such a good example of like the gruesomeness as the cat from the comic and just how he, he has his two forms where when he shows up as the clown, he's like just the most repulsive, like disgusting person you can imagine. And then he transforms into the violator, like his demon form. And he's just so scary, but also still keeps that repulsive, like gross out aspect. And I just like, I really like this character from the visuals, but this is another one where the, where his personality is just so big and bombastic that I enjoy that as well a lot. So, uh, yeah, I love I love this character, but I definitely think he skirts the line because if you just wanted to say, well, he's really a superhero comic villain. I mean, I can see your argument there, too. So, yeah, um, well, that goes to my first. I, love I did. I did want to. Oh, sorry. What's that? John Leguizamo's portrayal of the violator in the spawn film was awesome absolutely 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 incredible so um oh i I did want to mention so are you going straight into your list or do i have to go first i I was going to yeah because you because because if you want if you want it kind of is irrelevant because this was kind of a okay. joke if you think about it. So <laughs> Okay. I just didn't know if you wanted to do it where you went last because it's uh like what you said before. But yeah, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 all good. It doesn't matter. Uh, ultimately, it's just a game we play, right? Um True. So, my first pick of the night is Mike Myers. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, or Michael Myers. Um this comes back <laughs> to the thing what I was talking about Freddy and classics. Michael Myers is the in my opinion, probably the ultimate stalker yeah. of the slasher films. Um, he really is, and he's the character that like just he just doesn't stop. He's relentless. He he literally has like one goal, and that is to kill. Um, he's probably when you think about it, he might be the most creepy looking of all of them um, with that uh, painted white William Shatner mask and like all that stuff. Like it's Michael Myers really is probably one of the best horror villains ever created, probably in the history of film. Um, and he'll probably go down as with that icon iconography. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to say about him, but yeah. So, no, I mean, um, we've talked about Halloween before. It's like a great movie and a great series. And, uh, Michael Myers, it is like, 
it is cool that he is like a guy in a rubber mask and finally, and kind of, he follows that slasher, uh, sort of stereotype, but it's also done in a really smart way. Um, I know in the first, I, I'm pretty sure it's in the first movie. They talk, they talk about him being the boogeyman and it is kind of like, if you imagine seeing him in a dark room or a dark alley, that might be what you imagine the boogeyman to look like as a kid, like that just like creepy white face. And, uh, I think, I think there's certain aspects like that, even though it was, you know, it's low budget and it's very simple, but it's very smart the way they did that. Um, and like, and like you said, he's probably the best as far as that sort of stalker type of, um, slasher where he's just like so creepy. So, uh, yeah, definitely awesome pick. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you got then? Your first one. Yeah. So my first one, um, you were talking about the classics, uh, earlier, and, uh, this is the only character that kind of fits into that camp that's on my list, but I chose the gill man, the gill man, uh, more commonly known as the creature from the black lagoon. Um, this is one that, well, I guess what he's called the gill. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's referred to the Gilman. I don't think it's like an on-screen thing, but kind of just I've seen that on a lot of like horror websites and magazines and stuff, um, just calling him the Gilman. Um, but or or the creature is kind of what most people call him. But um, this is one where I guess there's two aspects of this. One is um, the aesthetics of the character. Like I feel like you go back to this character who was. I mean, I don't know when the first movie came out. It had to be late 50s, early 60s, but it's old. And I feel like it still holds up to an extent where it the the suit was so well built that you could see it being a real creature. Like it had like that realistic effect. Um, and I just I just love the design. I love that it looks like it looks really believable as like something you could find out there in the wilderness. Um and then the other aspect is just wa- watching the creature from the Black Lagoon as a kid was just like such a cool experience because it it's such a fun that original one is such a fun movie and it's like such a good a creature feature. And uh, I remember watching it, uh, just catching it on TV and stuff when I was a kid. And it was just always so cool to watch. And I always like, you know, identified with the creature. You know, I was always like, oh, it'd be so fun to be that creature. <laughs> be taking these people out and swimming in my lagoon and stuff so there's kind of like a fun memory aspect to this one um but yeah i remember really enjoying um the creature from the black lagoon just as a movie absolutely it's a good it's a good like because it's also like has that mix between being a horror film but it's also like kind of really an adventure film too you know um so it has that aspect as well yeah all right um, well, my next one is, uh, the leprechaun. Oh, nice. Definitely um, made my short list. Um, I, I really, so first off, I'm a big Warwick Davis fan in general. Um, I really liked the original film leprechaun, but as the movies, the second one was the second one's definitely the weirdest. I thought the Vegas one was hysterical. I never went past Vegas. I never watched any farther, but I always, I just, <laughs> But when you go back to that original movie, I just I really liked the character of Leprechaun. I just thought he was a really cool like design, really cool twist on the idea of Leprechauns and the pot of gold and everything. Like take this like childhood like fairy tale and turn it into a horror. Like I just I really enjoyed it. Uh, That's actually a good point. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, and that's uh, what Jennifer Aniston's first movie too. I think um, it's definitely early. Yeah, probably her first, but I don't I know think, for sure. I think that's her first movie. Yeah, she did a little TV and commercials and stuff. But I think that's her first movie. Um, but yeah, so Leprechaun's my pick. So that that is a really good point. Like, just the twist on the Leprechaun as a mythological creature, and uh, just the idea that like if you take his gold, he'll be back for revenge. Like, I love. It's it is a really fun concept for a horror movie. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, so like which which one do they go to Vegas? Is that number three? I think it's three. OK. And then but what that happens one's... in the second one? Uh, the second one, the second one, I think, is the one where they go to the, his like underground lair or whatever. It's okay. weird and it's way more like gory than it's. That oh, one's... so that's why you said it was the weirdest one. It's the it's the weirdest of the franchise because yeah well eventually you get to you know leprechaun in the hood and leprechaun in space okay. stuff <laughs> I, was gonna, um, I didn't know if you knew about those two ones because i was like is the second one really the weirdest because <laughs> he definitely goes to space and then after that he goes to the hood <laughs> yeah those are both ridiculous films <laughs> they are and that's okay like there's nothing wrong because eventually all horror movies get ridiculous when you start getting up there in numbers so absolutely um anyway uh yeah, your pick. Uh, yeah, so your the turn. next one. Yeah, um, the next one is uh, I kind of want to get get it over with just because I've talked so much about this character, but I went with uh, Pennywise, uh, and uh, I definitely go with the uh, the newest newest iteration of Pennywise from the newer uh, film series. Um, so and I've talked you've seen it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, I've seen all chapters of it. Um, No, but uh, I just I like Pennywise for a lot of reasons. Um, A big thing is is just aesthetically. I also just kind of like that as long as he has that power of fear over you, he can kind of morph and shapeshift and kind of do whatever he wants. And I find that really fascinating. And the way they depict it in the film is very interesting, too. So. Like I said, I've talked about this one a lot, um, so I don't have to go on too much. But, yeah, definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, no, I, you know, what's interesting is, uh, and I don't remember if I brought this up before when we talked about it before, but uh, the Tim Curry, the original movie of It, I did not like. I didn't find it scary. I didn't find him scary, like, in a right. sense. I didn't find it terrifying <laughs> at all, the way people would talk about it. This new version of Pennywise, I don't even need to see the movie. It's utterly terrifying right um i'm not a big i'm not afraid of clowns like and i think a lot of my clown desensitization is the fact that i'm a batman fan and you deal with a joker and all that nonsense a lot so i think that that kind of desensitized me to clowns a little bit but pennywise terrifies like the new pennywise is utterly terrifying um nice yeah Yeah, i absolutely agree um but yeah awesome (laughs) okay um so my pick right my number three yeah. So here, this this is gonna this is gonna blow your mind a little bit. Um, my number three pick is Stripe from Gremlins. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, I've <laughs> great call. That's awesome. I've always been a big Gremlins fan in a general sense, um, and Stripe is basically the evil villain Gremlin of the group, um, and he seems to be the only one with an ounce of intelligence for the plan and, you know, to take over the human race or to take over the planet or whatever the gremlins ultimate goal is. Uh, 
but because they're creatures like you know stripe always just he's basically the he's basically the big bad and i loved when and i even liked when they got to gremlins 2 and it kind of sucks that gremlins 2 um they didn't do enough with stripe because they had so many new gremlins to play with but they turned stripe into the big spider um and that was awesome they just i just yeah they just didn't do enough with him because he could have been such a cool like i think if they did gremlins now if they did gremlins 2 now and turned him into a spider he'd be a much more prominent character because that's you know you'd end up cging that and like it like it'd be creepy as hell um but yeah i just gremlins made me laugh but it's also like it's such a it's a fun scary movie and then you roll in a character like stripe and yeah just i don't know it's just always cool so yeah it's hard to add too much just uh you kind of summed it up really well but yeah definitely really like this one too um and he's got a mohawk so you know he's cool <laughs> and that's and that's how he stands out that's why we call him stripe is he yep you know, he, that's how he got his name. Um, what's, uh, what's your next one? Okay. Yeah. My next one's probably more unexpected, but definitely goes, especially with what I was saying about, uh, characters with really crazy, uh, personalities and stuff. Um, I went with Negan from the walking dead. Um, and he's like, this one's kind of weird cause he's not the type of character who stalks people down and stuff, or he's not, he's not like your traditional um, horror villain. You've but, not read the comics, right? So this is Negan from the show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The show. Um, and, uh, but, but I guess I was looking at the list and like, he is a villain in a horror story. Um, and I just really like he's, I think Negan, uh, from the show is one of the best villains I've seen in a while where he just has that sort of, love to hate him sort of factor. Um, sure. And I think I don't even know that I agree that the show has handled his character as well as they could have. I think they could have made him even more menacing and more um, somebody you love to hate even more than you do at this point in the show or in the series. But I just really appreciated that he just had that sort of you hate him so much but he's also so charismatic that you want to watch him and want to watch what he does. And he's just like such a perfect example of a villain. Um, and I don't know again, like since he's not your typical like slasher sort of villain, I don't know if he even fits the right mold for this list, but I just had to mention him just cause I thought he was, he just pulls off a lot of the aspects that I love personally about villains, I guess. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree. Um, my thing, so they could not have cast Negan better. Um, literally the best casting of that character. Um, yeah. The big thing with uh, Negan for me is that I read the comics, and Negan in the comics is way cooler, in my opinion, than he was on the show. But again, they I couldn't could see cast that. it better. So when I was making my shortlist, Negan made my shortlist, but Negan from the comics made my shortlist. Um that's why I specifically asked you if you were referring to the show um, a minute ago. So, yeah, I mean, that, that would have been kind of interesting. It came if it came up and then, yeah, hearing uh, the reasons why the comics better than the show and stuff. But, uh, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, my next one for the night is Ghostface from Scream. Oh, nice. Um, this so Ghostface, I always. So first off, I've talked heavily about my love for the Scream franchise, but What's really cool to me about Ghostface is it's Ghostface is not like Freddy or Michael Myers 
where it's always Freddy or Mike Myers, Ghostface can technically be anyone in the story. And it creates a mystery behind the characters. Who is the killer? And he's hidden by that cloak and he's hidden by the mask and you don't know who it is. And you have to let the mystery unfold. So in the first movie, it's the vengeful boyfriend or the or the crazy boyfriend that just wants to kill everybody. Uh, in the second movie, it turns out to be the uh, the stepmom or whatever. And then the third movie, you know what I mean? Like there's always there's always I feel like I just ruined the end of screen. But um, <laughs> for those people who haven't seen it, but the idea that the ghost face literally could be anyone because they spend a lot of the movie going, is it you? Well, it's not me. You know what I mean? Like they do a mm-hmm. lot of that. And it's really cool in terms of the mystery because every movie you're still watching and going, well, who is it? They killed the guy last time, you know? So, yeah. Um, and it's a cool design because it's, it's literally a costume you can buy at a store. So not only could it be anyone in the movie, you could go out into the real world on Halloween and see a ghost face walking around and not know if they're actually the killer. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it a little more scary in my opinion. So, um, yeah, that's why I chose Ghostface, mostly because I love that franchise. But yeah, yeah, uh, this one it's actually kind of interesting. This one made my short list, of course. Um, it didn't make my final list because I was thinking the aspect that anybody could be Ghost Ghostface was kind of a drawback. But you've honestly kind of sold me um, on the idea because it is kind of cool that his legacy so to speak could be picked up by anyone who wants to become the next uh ghost face killer so yeah definitely a cool call i guess i just was thinking so much about the specific personalities of the characters um but i i, I also really love the screen movies and i just uh ghost face is definitely a horror villain that you know some of my favorite horror like horror stories take place around this character so i definitely think it's a good pick um I could move into my next one, I guess. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. I just, yeah, I just really had to, like, I, when I, when we talked about doing this list, uh, Ghostface and my final pick of the night were, like, on my list before I even, before we finished last week's episode, so. Nice. Um, yeah, I had, like, a couple right away, and then it was just filling in all the gaps, but, uh, so my next pick is, uh, Chucky from Child's Play. Nah. Um, and this is another one that, uh, like a lot of the other ones on my list, Chucky has a crazy, just like obnoxious personality, but it's so fun to watch him uh, take people out and stuff in his movies. And I think, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know too much to say. I don't know if we've even talked about Child's Play much on the show, but I just really we, enjoy we him as a character. We talked about Child's Play a while back when they said they were doing a Chucky's a Child's Play television series and yeah. a newer movie coming out. And like we've talked about it here and there. Um, yeah. Chucky creeps me the hell out. Um, yeah. There's actually there was a toy like right around the time that the first Child's Play movie came out. I was at like the perfect age to be really terrified by that movie. And there was a toy for a um, like a ballerina doll that was supposed to be like really lifelike and dance and stuff like that on her own. <laughs> and I the commercial was terrifying because I think it was like their attempt to do like a CG like thing to show the toy. Um, and it almost looked like a stop motion kind of a thing. So it just made it scarier. Like I hated, uh-huh. that, I hated that commercial because of how terrifying it was. Um, <laughs> And I, I remember it vividly. I just don't remember the name of the toy. Um, I just remember seeing it around Christmas time. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like Chucky. Like, it reminded me of Child's Play. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, no, really cool. It's just it's a cool concept too. Um, yeah, that is. Uh, I I am glad that you kind of uh, mentioned the creepy factor too, because that's the one of the things is seeing uh, bits of the child's play movies. Like as a kid, I remember just seeing the parts where it's like Chucky is doing like his weird, like voodoo spells or whatever. And like trying to basically get his soul to take care of like, or take over different characters, bodies, seeing that when you're young, that is just such a frightening, like it's so, so creepy and so scary. And I think that just that image of Chucky saying these like creepy spells always sat with me a lot more than some of the more, um, some of the other movies that were supposed to be horrific, just for some reason that visual and especially with the animatronic, like doll face and stuff is just so creepy. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then Chucky, for some reason, child's play makes toy story scarier, but (laughs) um, just saying, Uh, (laughs) or the idea of it scarier. Anyway, do you remember the newest Chucky movie had a, posters that were making fun of toy story uh, did you ever see not, those I, no i did not and now i'm gonna have to go google them <laughs> and look it up because they came out the same summer and it would be basically i think it was something to the effect where you would see chucky like walking out of frame and behind him he'd be like carrying like uh like a amputated like woody leg or uh you know one of buzz lightyear's wings or it was it was basically <laughs> you're seeing the aftermath of Chucky just like killing the Toy Story characters. (laughs) (laughs) And and I remember because it came out around the same time as Toy Story 4. And I remember thinking, well, Toy Story 4 is probably a way better movie. But I mean, this is a really cool advertising campaign. I want to see where this goes sort of thing. So, sure. Um, All right. So that goes to my last pick for the night. Yeah. All right. So my favorite. Um. When it comes to horror films, my favorite horror films are sci-fi based. Um, yeah, we run into like, yeah, I'm a big fan of Scream. And I think that's probably my favorite scary movie of all time is the original Scream. But um, I like horror movies that are science fiction based. And it could be Aliens because I love the Alien franchise and I count those as horror. Um, but they also could be something in space. Um and one of my all-time favorites is the movie Event Horizon. So mm-hmm. uh, the character, the villain in that would be Dr. Weir or Sam Neill's character from the movie Event Horizon. Um, and that's my last pick of the night is Dr. Weir. Um, his motivations are simple. He wants he basically created the ship that disappeared that kind of, quote unquote, went to hell and came back. And you're like, where did the ship go? What happened? And when you get up to the ship and you find out that all this weird stuff went on with the crew and like you you really don't know alternate dimension craziness, but it's like horrific in like the fullest extent. Um, And then the idea of like what happens to his body and he's still alive and ripping his eyes out and like all this stuff. And then when you turn off the movie and you're sitting in the dark and all you can think to yourself is, Sam Neill's in my house somewhere with no eyes telling me that we don't need our eyes to see where we're going. (laughs) Um, uh, So, yeah, Sam Neill's character in that and Sam sells it. He plays that role so well. I don't have you seen Event Horizon? Uh, I need to watch it properly. Um, We've talked about it before. I watched it with some friends in high school, but it was just one of those things where everybody was talking over the movie. And I just. Yeah. 
people I need to rewatch. Don't it. watch movies with friends. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no, dude, you have to see Event Horizon. This movie, this movie is utterly terrifying. And what's what's interesting is, I didn't find the movie scary at all when I was watching it. I was just enthralled with it, and the and like I was just in on for the adventure and on the spaceship and just enjoying the movie. And then you turn off the movie and you're in the dark in your house, going, "Sam Neil's in my house somewhere." <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and that's and that's the scariest part about the movie for me. And that's where I think horror movies really shine. Like when I watch them, when I, if I go see a horror movie in the theater, as soon as I walk out of the theater, the illusion is gone because the lights come on and we all walk out in the lobby and everyone's like, yeah, hey, that was a good movie. And you're all talking with your friends and that kind of stuff. Yep. When you watch a horror movie at your house, you turn off the TV, you're still in your house. A lot yep. of times you're alone and now you have to go to bed and then you walk past the basement stairs and you see the lights on in the basement and you have to think to yourself, you know what? That light's going to stay on until tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am not going down to the basement and turn the light off because I just watched that movie and that is stupid. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's just, that's how I kind of how I look at horror movies. And, um, uh, event horizon was one of those movies where like when the TV went off, Suddenly I'm sitting in the dark and I'm not terrified of what I watch because it's sinking in and I'm, you know, it's, it's a different setting. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, I, that's, that's a horror movie that'll always sit and sit with me real close. And that's also a horror movie that I'll, we'll be talking with friends about horror movies and someone will always without question. And it's not always me, but someone will always bring up event horizon for some reason. So, um, it's nice. with everyone else too, apparently. So. Yeah, it's cool to hear that it's um, like even after the movie's off and the fact that it's uh, it takes place in space, like you still get that eerie feeling where you feel unsafe in your own house and stuff. That's really cool. Um, just to comment on that a little bit, um, I had a, co- a conversation with a friend once about how so he was saying that he loves horror movies, but he hates how they end because they always have bad endings or sad endings and stuff. And I kind of like turned him around because I was like, well, if they had happy endings, you wouldn't be scared of anything afterwards. You know, <laughs> like if the villain right. lost, then you have nothing to be scared of when you're, you know, trying to walk back to your bedroom in the dark or whatever it is. And uh, I kind of tur- kind of turned him around on that. So I just think it's kind of a cool thing to think about. Um, but I can go into my last pick, um, of course, which could probably be pretty short. Um, this is another one. <laughs> this is OK. So. My my last pick, my second to last pick was Chucky, and this character has almost the same personality when you look at it. Um, I almost feel like Chucky might have stolen or been influenced by this character a bit, but it's uh, your first honorable mention, Cre- Freddy Krueger. That is uh, that is my final pick for the night. Um, I love Freddy Krueger from what we were talking about, the aesthetics before, um, as well as the dream concepts, um, as well as just something about the old nightmare on elm street movies uh really creep me out like i know they get really ridiculous as they go on but i think because so many of the scenes are uh, dream sequences there's something about them where they really build a creepy atmosphere with all their scenes you know it's not like it's not like a lot of other movies where it's a, a bunch of teenagers at like their house or at a cabin or something and they're just waiting to be taken out they really work to build these really creepy nightmare atmospheres and i think that might be what creeps me out as well as like 
the music in a lot of the Freddy Krueger movies, I think is really well done where it's just these really like subtle, but like chilling sort of piano riffs and stuff like that. And synth, uh, synth bits and stuff like that, that really kind of, uh, bring out the eeriness and stuff. But I just, Freddy Krueger is also kind of similar to Pennywise where when he's in that dream state, he can do whatever he wants (laughs) And sometimes it's really creepy, scary stuff. And sometimes it's really cartoony and ridiculous stuff. But I always like that concept and kind of seeing what they come up with in some of those sequences. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if you have too much more to say on this one, Drew, since you already talked about him. I was going to say, because I I talked about it before, I don't have much more to say. um, And I'm surprised you had as much more as you didn't have (laughs) after our conversation earlier. Um, So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, that kind of brings us to the end of this list. Um, what, um, what are we doing next week? Cause it, because this kind of, this, this list kind of replaced your pick. So this is actually your pick next. So what do you want to do? What are we doing? Yeah. So we just did a list of horrifying villains and I thought we could swing the other way for the next week or for next week. And I thought, well, what's that? lighten the mood if you will yeah absolutely i thought next week we could talk about our top five marvel superheroes and this is a list that we surprisingly haven't done yet so this will be fun okay yep it'll Uh, be fun it'll be kind of i don't want to say back to basics you know but it's one of those things you thought you would have thought we would have done this ages of ages ago but i'm excited for it not only that but we also um not not only is it uh, we, you think we will, we would have done it already, but this kind of brings us back to a comic book realm. We talk comics all the time, but we actually haven't had a comic book list in a really long time because we've been kind of off on tangents doing other stuff. So this will be a fun one. Um, and I'm going to reach out and see if I can possibly have a guest join us next week. Um, oh, nice. Uh, because because that's what you're throwing at me. I'm going to see if I can have a guest join us next week. So we'll see what happens with that. Nice. Um, I, I also I, I, I also did want to do Marvel over DC just because I do feel like we've been talking a lot of DC lately, especially with like the Snyder cut. And we did like the DC story arcs kind of recently and stuff like that. So, yeah. And um I totally agree with you there. Um, I do. I really think, and this is, I don't want to say this is a spoiler. This is an idea Peter and I had, or I had a little while ago, and I don't know how this list would work. I think it'd be really cool is if we got like, found two people to come on with us because, and we did like a um, choose your side kind of a list where like you and me, I know, prefer DC over Marvel. If, you know, if push comes to shove, if we were like to ask, which do you prefer? I know you and I both would prefer DC, I think. So yeah. it's kind of cool to find two uh, two people to join us on the show for a panel where they chose Marvel. And then we argued our points as to why we like the other one over the other. Um, okay. I just thought that'd be kind of a cool thing to do. I don't know if that's <laughs> so, going to happen. So if you're listening so at home and you're like, when are you guys going to do that? It's just a thought. We don't really know how the rules of that would work yet. We don't, you know, that kind of thing. So we it's would just, do like, we would do like top five reasons Marvel sucks and they would do top five reasons DC sucks. <laughs> no, you're doing top five reasons you prefer one over the other. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a who sucks the kind of <laughs> argument. It's, it's more of a, you know, like one of my points, for example, could be like, look, I just prefer the characters of DC better. And this is why, you know what I mean? So, um, it's just a thought. I just thought it'd be kind of a cool conversation because the whole point of this show and the whole point of these lists is the drum up conversation anyway. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, the idea is in the works. I don't know how it would play out. Um, the other one I thought would be kind of fun would be like a choose your side, Star Wars versus Star Trek, and then we pick five reasons why we like whatever. But you and I think are going to – we have to find someone who likes Star Trek better, <laughs> you know, because that'd be because I think everyone primarily likes Star Wars better. So that'd be a harder one to tee up. I think. Yeah, a, a lot of people we know at least for sure. Yeah. Um, so, all right, well – that's awesome. Marvel superheroes next week. Let's see what happens. I'll see if I can get a guest. It might just be Peter and I. I'm not going to tell you who. That's why I don't want to like <laughs> any uh, fun stuff in the works for that yet. So at any rate, um, do us a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. Um we are on Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. There you can subscribe to us. And if you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also uh, review, leave us a review. We love those five-star reviews, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same name, Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be reminding you that you're probably going to want to be sharing any of Samara's TikToks that you come across. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Before we go, I've decided from here on out, anytime I'm ever caught doing something weird and someone says, Drew, what are you doing? My response is going to be with a light, light shrug, um, I'm TikToking, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> at any rate, um, everyone, uh, have a nice Halloween. Enjoy yourselves, and uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. Uh, thank you all for listening. Have a good night. Bye.